Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Hone sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Jawas? This is Steven and Josh from Phantology. And today we have a special guest. We have Andy. Andy is a big Star Wars and video game YouTuber. Goes by the handle of Cubs Fan Han on YouTube. So check him out. Andy, what's up? Tell everyone about uh, what you do. Yeah, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's really fun to finally be here on an episode and see your podcast. Um, Josh and I are big, really good friends in real life. And we've always talked about doing something like this and even thought about doing it uh, on our own thing and then it didn't really work out and so i'm really happy that you guys have this fantology podcast where you can talk about all this nerdy stuff i think it's great um so i do star wars on youtube and twitch uh mostly star wars games um is my main poll on youtube but uh i really really like talking about the star wars universe in general The, the game that i play is called star wars galaxy of heroes and it's a game that i would say most people playing it are very hardcore Star Wars fans, um, really hardcore Star Wars fans. And so it kind of forces you to really deep dive into the Star Wars universe to do what I do. And I'm pretty okay with that because I've always been a super big Star Wars fan. And I don't think there's any better time to be a Star Wars fan than right now with everything that we've had in the last couple of years and what we've got coming up in the future. So anyway, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about The Mandalorian today. Yeah, we're stoked. This is going to be a season two review. I mean, but we could talk about whatever Star Wars. Josh and I are both you know, Star Wars fans for sure, but, but certainly not experts. So the <laughs> dynamic this episode is going to be a little bit of us kind of like talking about uh, our impressions of The Mandalorian and maybe you correcting us and telling us what we should actually be looking for. Oh, well, you know what? Everyone's here's the thing. Everybody's going to view these things in their own way. And there's not really a wrong or right way to view things. I mean, maybe I can give some additional context. Um, if, if you guys have, I don't know how much you guys are familiar with like clone wars and rebels, which uh, give a lot of context to stuff that's going on in season two of the Mandalorian, but uh, you guys feel however you want to feel about this. Uh, every star Wars fan um, should, should enjoy it on their level, wherever that is. Yeah. And I'm excited to get in, into that with you because I personally haven't seen either clone wars or, or rebels. rebels. So yeah. Amen. So I'm excited well, yeah. So I'm excited to ask you about how things landed and we're going to go with full spoilers, I think from here on out. So if you Good. haven't seen, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen season two of Mandalorian, then watch it. I think it's all an easy recommend for us. Yeah. From us. So go, yeah, go watch yeah. it, check it out. But from here on out, if you haven't watched it, tune out and we're going to talk about spoilers. And, and fortunately, I mean, I, something I'll comment on, Josh um, hasn't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, which I'm going to make sure he does for all of you guys because that's <laughs> really kind of bothering me that he hasn't seen it. But, no. but if you if you haven't seen that, you can still watch The Mandalorian and you can still enjoy it. Um, there are some nods to those uh, those shows that we can talk about that I think make it better, but you're not going to be confused if you haven't seen those. Yeah, I'm going to have to actually, unfortunately, tell you that I haven't seen oh. either as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. You I know. Guys. Some, okay. Something about 
for some reason, like being an adult and, and like an animated show as, as an adult just seems for some reason, it's just it's, it's really hard for me to think I'm going to enjoy this, but I, I probably will. In fact, I will I, tell I, you I, guys that the end of Rebels in particular had one of the most emotional Star Wars moments of all time. Wow. And I and Clone Wars in particular has some of the best lightsaber fights of all time. Now, there is some filler episodes and some episodes that feel like they're maybe geared more towards kids. But I, I will tell you right now, it's not a kid's show. Now, Resistance is probably a kid's show. I, I had a hard time with Resistance. I still watched it, and there's some good stuff in there. But that one felt like I was watching a kid's show. Rebels and Clone Wars, no. I, I think you guys should watch it. That, that's good. That's good to know, because I've always just, yeah, I never really paid attention when they were coming out. Mm. And so there hasn't been a real good excuse to go watch it. But now that it's actually tying stuff into content I'm really interested in, I think it's a good time to go back and watch it. Please watch it. I, I think especially it's so with all of these other shows that have been announced, it, it seems like the, it maybe is a little more necessary for us to do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll it's do it. Always been good Star Wars content, but now that they're connecting it to the live action stuff, I think that people will find themselves wanting to watch it more. That's a good point. So, so I'm going to tick off a pretty large portion of the fan base right here, but I was secretly kind of relieved when Disney kind of said that everything besides the original trilogy was like no longer canon like i felt how terrible that must have been for like mega fans mm -hmm. but for myself who hadn't watched anything besides the core six movies you know i i was kind of like okay i can feel like i can jump back in star wars and understand everything that's going on so i'm happy that it seems like what they're doing and this is me not a mega fan talking but they're picking the best yeah. parts of everything else and incorporating it and recanonizing it so I, I can get behind some of what you're saying um, and uh, other parts. I, I would say the way I look at it is there's a huge wealth of, um, of background that they can draw upon for the universe. They did not draw upon any of it for the sequel trilogy. They threw everything that was there in, um, in, the, uh, in the expanded universe in the garbage. And I think that's a problem. I, I don't think they should have done that. Even though there are things that I liked about the sequel trilogy, um, I liked the movies individually, even though they did a horrible job, in my opinion, of making them connect and make sense as a trilogy mm -hmm. together. Um, yeah. But the way I look at it, if we're going back especially, because they're starting to delve into the High Republic era, which is before the prequels, and a potentially Old Republic at some point, I'm hoping, is maybe like the Marvel comics are to the MCU, where you've got this story that you're taking parts from, but you're changing it just a little bit. And so I wish they did more of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now they seem to be doing that with like Grand Admiral Thrawn, for example, a character that you guys might not be familiar with if you haven't read or haven't watched uh, Clone Wars or Rebels. Well, he's not in Clone Wars. He's just in Rebels. Um, or if you haven't read the books, um, there's a whole trilogy, Heir to the Empire, with Thrawn uh, that takes place kind of in the Empire era and then beyond. And Thrawn is one of, in my opinion, the greatest, most strategic, badass um, characters in all of star wars and they brought him back in rebels and now ahsoka name dropped him in in the mandalorian season two obviously and so we're probably going to see him in the ahsoka show and so yeah I, I i could get behind it but i think if you were to read a lot of those expanded universe books you'd probably feel slighted that they they threw a lot of them right. away. yeah and which i could only imagine if they did that for you know a 
a series that I'm like really invested in, then yeah. I would I would feel terrible. So so it was kind of like a selfish relief. Yeah. But they seem um, to be repenting a little bit. But we'll yeah. see. We'll see what they yeah. do. They're kind of avoiding the sequels, if you've noticed. They, they, they announced 10 shows, and now there's 11 with the Book of Boba Fett, which was re- re- revealed at the end of uh, the season finale of, of season two. And none of those shows are getting into uh, from Force Awakens on. None of them. <laughs> wow. So they, they seem to be keen on avoiding that era. I didn't even realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is good for me. This is uh, educational. Okay, so Mandalorian, Mandalorian. We are we are going to talk about Mandalorian. Oh, good. So uh, yeah, yeah. So so season two. So season two concluded last Friday. This episode will probably come out uh, a little bit before Christmas. So about a week ago. And uh, I guess let's just kind of get started. How did we like season two? I personally, I liked it quite a bit, and I think I liked it more than season one. And uh, Andy, I'm kind of interested to hear from you and from uh, the fandom because I I know you get a lot of feedback from people. Like, what are people thinking? Yeah, it's a good point. I definitely have a really good pulse on the fandom. I I spend all day on Twitter interacting with hardcore Star Wars fans. And I don't think I've seen anybody that liked this season less than season one. It, it seems to be universally accepted that this season was the best season of The Mandalorian. And that's not a slight on season one at all, because we all love that as well. And um, also, I think it seems to be pretty commonly accepted that the season finale in particular, was some of the best Star Wars maybe since the original trilogy. I'm going to call it the best Star Wars that I've seen that Disney has produced. That's why hmm. I'm going to say that pretty concretely. And I'm a Disney fan of Star Wars. I know a lot of uh, Star Wars fans don't like Disney. Um, they think Disney's the devil. I completely disagree. I do think they botched the sequel trilogy, but they've done a lot of good things as well. I think that season seven of Clone Wars was phenomenal, which shame on you guys for not watching it. I think Rebels was great. I think Rogue One was phenomenal. Rogue One gave us one of the best, most fan service Vader scenes that we've ever seen. I think Solo was great, even though it kind of came on the heels of The Last Jedi. And as a result, uh, also in the middle of two big Marvel movies. And so I think it got less attention than it deserved. And so I think Disney has done all good things except for the sequel trilogy, which is a big thing that they, that they screwed up in my opinion. Um, even though I like some of those individual movies. And so I'm going to say, with all of that considered, this episode was the best thing that Disney did with Star Wars mm. ever. It was amazing. So when you say it's the best Star Wars, mm-hmm. the season two, episode eight, when you say it's the best Star Wars, what do you mean exactly? Like the best uh, action sequence? Because there was a lot of that, mm-hmm. or just the overall feel of the episode? What are we talking about here? Yes, all of it. <laughs> yes, to all Everything of it. about it. The action Everything. was great. I loved. Here's something that I really liked about it. Here's and this is something that I think um, directors struggle with with Star Wars is you want to appeal to the nostalgia, right? And this episode had that nostalgia to it, but it oh, didn't. Yeah. It didn't push on it in a cringy way, if that makes sense. I think, like for example, these Star Wars trailers that you get, you know, they're always swell, giving you these big swells of Leia's theme or Luke's theme. Um, you know, the music gets really, I guess they just, they want to trigger this emotional response with the music or with these, these very obvious nostalgic moments. This episode was really subtle on the nostalgia. In fact, there was only one, uh, a, a bleep of a, maybe, um, gosh, 30 seconds that played a familiar theme. Everything else was completely new from a music standpoint and bringing in a character like Luke in, in the final episode, 
is a very vulnerable thing to do that could have been handled uh, very mm -hmm. poorly. And, and here's something that I think is really interesting about that moment in particular. Every single person I talked to leading up to this episode, everybody did not want Luke to be in it. Everybody. Hmm. Every single person I talked to, hardcore Star Wars fans, my friends and family, nobody wanted Luke to show up. But nobody is upset with Luke showing up now. What does that tell you? It, they took something that nobody wanted because they, they didn't want to make... I think a lot of people don't want the Mandalorian to just be too connected to everything. But the way that they did it, everybody forgave it and everyone was down. So done. So well done. Yeah, I, I completely agree. If you have told me that Luke was going to be in the Mandalorian like pre-season one or even after season one between yeah. season two, I would have just said, no, oh, well, that's going to, that's going to wreck it, you know? Yeah. And, and the fact that they did it so well with just like him being in it for what, 30 seconds or less, or maybe a minute, it was yeah. not very long. And, and so a minute I, and 36 I, seconds, a minute, and 36 seconds. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, but I really hope that they don't go overboard in like season three and on that they don't just, keep luke in it as like a recurring character because i think that could kind of botch it for me kind of do what you're saying well let me i i agree i think that's a that's a valid concern but trust in dave filoni and john favreau for me my friend because so far <laughs> they, they've handled stuff like this perfectly and so i i personally trust that they aren't going to handle that in a in a poor way i don't know exactly what they're going to do next i think that we're going to see luke again um, how much I think remains to be seen, but, uh, so far they've just handled stuff like this very tastefully. It's not like, um, I'll, I'll draw a parallel. If you played battlefront two, which I'm guessing you guys didn't, uh, but yeah. there's, there's a campaign for battlefront two. And it was basically like, let's throw every well-known character in here that we can. And it was a canon story. Okay. And mm -hmm. it was just like, every time somebody showed up, it's like, why are they here? Like, why? And this is the thing when it comes to storytelling that I think is important is the why needs to make sense. Why did Luke show up in this episode? Right. Did they just throw him in there? No. Luke was the only person, in my opinion. When, when Grogu goes to Tython and he's reaching out through the Force five years after um, Return of the Jedi and he's reaching out to a Jedi, who in the galaxy is going to show up? People say Ezra. People say Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order. None of those, they don't make sense. They're not building a literal Jedi Order. Luke is literally in this moment of time building a Jedi Order. Nobody else made sense. And yeah. so they, they really earned it in the story, which is where I'm okay with fan service slash nostalgia when it is earned. In, Battle, in the Battlefront 2 campaign is a great contrast. None of it was earned. It was just like, let's just throw every character. Let's throw, we, they actually throw Luke in, Leia in, Lando in, Han in, in like consecutive missions. None of them made sense. This made sense in the story, and so I buy it 100%. Andy, I will trust you on all of those name drops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Com completely agree, because this season, it spent a whole season, if not like most of the first season too, building up to this moment and had yeah. an incredible payoff to it. So yeah. that's why I just hope that doesn't cheapen it in future seasons. But I agree. Like, I don't think that, Favreau's putting out content that like I don't thoroughly enjoy. So I I have and by the way, for it. Dave Filoni, one of the names that you guys are becoming accustomed to, mm -hmm. he was heavily involved in both Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm gonna continue pressing this for you guys. Okay. 
Okay. Because he, he directed a few episodes, right? He directed like two in this season one and season one or something. Yeah, Dave Filoni uh, directed the Ahsoka episode. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And they're not going to put the CGI Luke in too much more, right? Like, I mean, the CGI was decent in, in my opinion, but they're not going to do too much with that, are they? It depends on how much I think we're going to see him. I think if he's if he's used like as kind of like a, like I would I would say this episode would qualify as a cameo, right? He's not a main yeah. character in the Mandalorian yet. If they mm-hmm. lean towards making him a main character, please go away from the CGI. I do not want it on a very regular basis. But if he comes back in like you know, mid season, season three, and it's just a cameo again. I'm fine with it, you know, if they want to keep it consistent. But yeah, obviously, yeah. a lot of fans uh, name dropped Sebastian Stan is somebody who who played Winter Soldier. Um, mm-hmm. Looks very much like uh, like Mark Hamill did in his prime. And so I could, well, I Mark Hamill's in his prime right now. I mean, when, when he was younger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, uh, he's such an awesome dude. Uh, so anyway, I. I if he's going to be a more regular character, I'd like an actor to fill it and kind of like they did uh, for Solo. Hey, Andy, at what point in that episode did you know it was Luke? Like the green lightsaber, the gloved hand? Was it all the way up until the, the hood was... Uh, at what point were you sure it was Luke? I, this is a good question. I, and I think if you watch my, my replay, I don't say in my uh, reaction video, it's Luke until I see his lightsaber hilt. But in my mind... In my mind, I think I pretty much knew when I saw the X-wing. Nobody else is gonna fly an X-wing. Like it's not, it's not mm. one of the the, uh, the the Rangers of the Republic. It's not. There's no way. That, and, and especially when Cara Dune says, "Oh, great, a lone X-wing, we're saved." Um, it, there's it had to be Luke. But in my heart, I didn't want to accept that until I knew it. If that makes sense. And so I think I still doubted it. And so it wasn't until I saw the lightsaber hilt that I knew for sure. But it just nothing else would have made if they showed x-wing flight in and then it ends up being somebody else it just would have felt weird <laughs> josh you well so i didn't know for sure until the theme music started playing until like the the skywalker reprise started okay i, I hate i hate to i hate to dog on your parade there but they Is actually that... didn't play luke skywalker's theme they oh, played Ooh, they man. played the the force theme okay I'm, well, a, I'm a big Star Wars music nerd, and okay. I've actually really analyzed the music of this episode. So, yeah, they actually, this is something I really like about the episode is as Luke is getting his Vader hallway moment, they uh-huh. aren't playing Luke's theme. Um, Ludwig Gorenson, who did the music for The Mandalorian, I think is a genius. He actually won a, an Oscar for his work on Black Panther, if you paid attention. Um, and he doesn't rely on the musical nostalgia of Luke. And when he takes his hood off, he doesn't play Luke's theme, which Luke's theme is the main Star Wars theme that you all know and love. Da 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 da. That's Luke's theme. He plays the the Force theme. Do 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 do, which okay. I think is really interesting. So, but it's it's okay. fine if you associate that. Theme that, with that Luke. That's well with what I associate with Luke. <laughs> yeah, shame but, on you, but, Josh. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry, I, I'm a huge mega nerd. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. So so like, I figured with the lightsaber and everything, but I just. I, I, it was so out of nowhere to me that I was like, are they, and I, I wasn't sure on the timeline. Like I've never been really sure on when Mando is taking place. So I, I didn't know if it would make sense for it to oh, be yeah. Luke or not. So like, I just didn't, it wasn't really in my realm of thinking it could happen. So let me help you right now with the timeline and for any of our listeners okay. who aren't sure. So yeah. uh, you've got episodes one, two, and three, and then you've got rogue one and then you've got four five and six, right? And episode mm-hmm. six is obviously when they destroy the second Death Star and Luke saves his father, he sees his face, etc. 
Um, five years after that is where the Mandalorian picks up, okay. which is also I mean, 25 years before, um, before Rogue One or, or sorry, before uh, Force Awakens. Okay. That's what I wasn't sure about. I wasn't, I wasn't sure about the time from, and I've kind of since gone back and, and made sure I, I knew what the timeline was, but there yeah. were a few confusing things. The Boba Fett thing, I think was the most confusing for me with the timeline because I was like, wait, this dude is dead because he fell in the, in the pit in Tatooine, right? Pit, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was dead. And it's like, wait a second, is Mandalorian actually not where I thought it was? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, he's still alive because now he's taken over Tatooine and this is no, but, but now I understand. So he survived that somehow. No one's ever really gone. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> the no sequel trilogy. Yeah, no, it's actually, uh, it was canon already that Boba Fett survived that. Uh, that was in the comics. Hmm. And so hmm. um, Boba Fett, okay. uh, you can see he's got a very scarred face. And so, and that's also part of how he lost his armor, I believe. Probably a story that will be told in a little more detail in the book of Boba Fett. Okay, okay. But yeah, and post, I see- post Sarlacc pit. And the best scar can survive anything. So maybe that's how he survived. Is, is that a theory? Um, yeah, I, I think that the, you know, and I actually didn't read the comic um, in that secondhand knowledge. I was told that by somebody else, I'll confess. Um, so I don't know if they, if they got into that, if that had anything to do with how he mm. survived, but he's a total badass. So I'm, I'm sure he found a way. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was always like the most disappointing thing when I went back and rewatched this, rewatched the original trilogy on my most recent, cause I hadn't watched it for like 10 years or something. Oh yeah, it's so good. So so I was like, I just remember because Boba Fett becomes such like a an icon, pop culture icon, that yes. when I went back and rewatched him, I'm like, wait, he like doesn't do a whole lot. Like he's in the story and is kind of a cool character, but he doesn't do a whole lot and then just gets, you know, pushed in and does something I think is funny about Star Wars fans is we love to obsess over characters that are meaningless. And so yeah. Boba Fett, I, I hate to say it, he was almost meaningless in the sequel tri- or in the original trilogy. He did very little. Um, you know, obviously he, you know, delivered uh, Han Solo in Carbonite, and he had to deal with that. And he was, you know, obviously contracted for several things. But uh, he, you don't really see him much. You don't hear him much. And he, in fact, he just tells Darth Vader that he loves him because he says, "As you wish," right? Um, so uh, that's that's <laughs> basically all that Boba Fett does. A- another character like that is Admiral Akbar. Um, yeah. While in the uh-huh. universe, he's obviously uh-huh. a significant uh, character in the universe. All he, re- I mean, he's basically only known by the fandom because he says the, the famous line, um, "It's a trap," right? Yeah, he, he's <laughs> been right. memed. He's been memed to death for sure. Yeah, it's. I, I tell people like the only because people got offended at the sequel trilogy. They killed uh, Admiral Akbar uh, in favor of mm-hmm. uh, leaving Haldo there or whatever. And I was, I was like, you guys only care because of the meme, like. <laughs> yeah. It's okay if you like Ad Rock. I'm not sliding you for that. <laughs> okay, so uh, while we're on theories, is there a theory about uh, Snoke's connection here with the Mandalorian and like the the thing, you know, the, the, whatever experimentation they're doing with these like half formed things and then the Force, uh, the, the whatever that they're trying to take from uh, from Grogu, like is this is like a midichlorian thing going on, or what do we have here? So you will notice in the episode where they uh, go on that base, uh, the the hollow projector uh, does reference an M count. And so I, you can only assume that that M count is midichlorians, which is actually kind of cool because we Star Wars kind of went away from this whole midichlorian thing um, after episode one. I think people thought it was cringy. And so hearing it referenced again kind of brings a smile to my face because I feel like if that's part of the canon, let's, let's, let's let it stay there. Um, that's mm-hmm. just me. Now, as far from a fan standpoint, 
I honestly hope that they don't do anything with Snoke here. I honestly hope they don't do anything with Palpatine because those storylines were so heavily butchered in Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, that I just am not interested in them anymore. That's just the fan part of me. It's very plausible in universe, though, that this does connect. Um, if you do see the, uh, the, the, I guess, figure they have in the tube on that episode, if you freeze the frame and zoom in on it, it, it could feasibly look like Snoke. And so I think that it's very possible that we're seeing the beginnings of how Palpatine returns, which uh, Snoke's connection seems to be only in connection to Palpatine's return, not really his own thing, which I absolutely hate that plot line. I think Snoke should have been his own thing, but that's just my own opinions speaking. So I hope it doesn't connect, but I think it's very plausible that it does. I honestly kind of think that maybe we could redeem some of the uh, the gaping plot holes in the second trilogy if we had some explanation for those things. I, I'm hoping it does. That's fair. That's fair. If it redeems those plot, I mean, that's something that a lot of people say about Clone Wars and Rebels is it made, especially Clone Wars, it made the the prequel trilogy more exciting. It made it make sense more. Or you could say the same thing for Rogue One, which uh, filled one of the biggest plot holes in Star Wars, which is why the heck is there a thing you can shoot a you know a torpedo into and it blows the whole thing up? Why is uh -huh. that there? <laughs> but Clone Wars is like, actually, we got a really powerful answer to that because it was put there by the designer of the Death Star who disagreed with the whole project. And so, so yeah, maybe we could fill some of those plot holes, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just like, after Rise of Skywalker, I was like, this whole Snoke thing's stupid. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And so I had no idea that any of this existed. So about any of the like possible connections. I mean, yeah. it's always been, I've wondered what they're doing with, like if they're trying to make more like force users or what they're doing with the blood. So that was definitely a question I had, but as just a casual viewer and not something that's like super connected to the fandom, it just like completely passed me by. So I don't think yeah. it's something where they're going to be turning off viewers because mm -hmm. of these things, you know, which is always a tricky line to walk on how much we're going to connect it to other things and how many Easter eggs we're going to put in there and making the narrative still make sense. So it sounds like they're doing a good job of that, of just having casual viewers be able to view it and have a good time with it, enjoy it and then having stuff for fans to obsess over. For sure. Again, it feels like, based on all the shows that Disney announced, it feels like they're inclined to avoid that sequel trilogy because it sparked a lot of controversy in the fandom. And So this could be my bias speaking, but I also feel like if you look at Moff Gideon, what is motivating Moff Gideon right now? I don't see Moff Gideon as working for anybody right now. I don't see him as somebody who's obsessed with bringing Palpatine back. The Imperial Remnant is very scattered. Uh, a lot of Imperial officers are working to, to see their own needs met. And I personally think that Moff Gideon has his own reason for looking for, uh, for Force users. And I think he's got some history with Grogu. I think it's actually an interesting theory. I, I read once that maybe he even rescued Grogu from the Jedi Temple uh, that it goes that far back for him. And maybe he is seeking to himself become a force user. And so those are plot lines I would rather see them explore because I think they bring depth to Moff Gideon more, who's still very much in play. Um, and I think his history with Mandalore needs to come to fruition a lot more. I mean, the his reaction to getting disarmed, which 
if, if again, if you guys watch Rebels um, and Clone Wars, you, you'll learn more about the history of the dark saber. And I love the the moment in this in this episode, the the finale, of course, where he gets disarmed by Mandalorian and realizes, oh, you're not going to kill me, and you see him break into this twisted smile of I'm excited to see what comes next because Bo-Katan's not going to like this uh, because the, the the saber has to be passed, um, you know, through mm. a trial by combat, etc. And so I would rather see them explore those plot lines more and how all of those connect to what Gideon is doing rather than I, I think it would kind of minimize Gideon if he's just some pawn who's working to bring Palpatine back. So speaking about uh, future plot lines and what you're looking forward to, one thing that uh, I've kind of talked to some people about that they're split on is season three. So season three of The Mandalorian. Where yeah. are we going, right? Because now Grogu, that, that's been the whole thing, right? The Baby Yoda. What's yeah. going to happen with Baby Yoda? What's going on there? What, what, is, what is Baby Yoda's future? Now we have a bit of an answer, right? Luke has taken Baby Yoda. We don't know what's going to happen because like you said, yeah. there's, there's 25 years. Right. And obviously, Baby Yoda's not in the next trilogy. So yeah. something happens in the intervening time. But are we as interested in season three with the Baby Yoda thing kind of tied oh, up? Or, or I guess there's, there's freedom for it to come back uh, into play, right? Listen, I think if I'm Dave Filoni and John Favreau right now, I can go full Russell Crowe and put my hands out and say, Are you not entertained? Everyone needs to just trust in these guys right now. I mean, there's a lot of questions in what's coming next and we're going to be fine guys. I, there's, there's a lot of storylines that I think really need to be delved into. And if people are worried, I, I've seen a lot of people worried like, Oh my gosh, they're just going to let Kylo Ren kill Grogu. Look, that temple destruction is 20 years away. They got 20 years of history to fill here. There's so much that can happen in the meantime. And so here's a few things to whet your appetite that I think we can look forward to. Number mm. one, we've got a really big rub between um, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, and Bo-Katan right now. And that rub of Bo-Katan has this whole time been working towards becoming the leader of Mandalore. And a lot. if you did watch Rebels... Uh, Sabine Wren gave Bo-Katan the Darksaber and she claimed leadership of Mandalore. Something happened between now and then to where now she is not willing to take the Darksaber unless she wins it properly, which is how the story works. You only gain the you only win the Darksaber in trial by combat. She seems intent on doing that now. So what does she do now with Din Djarin being the rightful leader to Mandalore? She's been saying this whole time, we're all, we're one, you know, we need to work together. But that whole assumption she's been making is that she would be the one at the helm. So can she accept that? Can she accept that she's not going to be at the helm or will she go dark side on us and challenge Din Djarin and try to take it herself? And how will Din handle that? Din's not interested in being the leader of Mandalore, but now he is. He's the rightful leader of Mandalore. Is he okay with that? How is he going to handle that? And then Grogu, we've got Grogu off training with Yoda or with, uh, with Yoda, with, with Luke. We're definitely going to be seeing more of that, in my opinion, because The Mandalorian at its core is a story of Din Djarin just as much as it is a story of Grogu. And in particular, it's a story of their relationship. And so the biggest question I have is, how are they going to come back together? They're going to come back together, guys. I would be shocked if they didn't. It might take a little bit. They might spend a little bit of time away from each other, but eventually they're going to come back. And what will be the catalyst to bringing those two back? I go back to Ahsoka and how afraid she was to train Grogu because she saw Anakin in him. 
And she thought, oh my gosh, this is mm. going to be Anakin 2.0. And so is Grogu going to be a rebellious student? I think that's very likely. How is that going to connect to everything? And so to me, if people don't think that there's intrigue in the coming seasons, you're crazy. There's so much intrigue coming up next and I can't wait to see what they do with it. So question. Yeah. I don't know like Bo-Katan's character at all, really. Cause I think she was developed well enough in the series to where I understood all of her motivations mm. within the context of the episode she was in. Yeah. Is she someone that you think could go dark? Would that tick fans off a lot? Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, define dark. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I dark might be a strong word for it, but she might cause problems. Uh, Bo-Katan is very impulsive. Um, she's very hot-headed. She's a Mandalorian. And I, again, you need to watch because she, she's in Clone Wars. She's in Rebels. Her character's been firmly established. And the, the acting, uh, the way that they uh, portrayed her character in the series, I think was perfect. And they've given her a dilemma where I think she's, I, I, it's, I'm just really interested to see what she does because I, I could see her going either way. And I don't really know what she's going to do. <laughs> Andy, do you think uh, do you think we're just going to continue with this plot line only through Mandalorian? Or do you think it's possible that these other shows that have been announced, it becomes almost like a Marvel expanded universe where, you know, the, yeah. there's, a, there's a plot line that exists through all of them and we get some things yeah. here and there where they all connect. That's, I really like that idea. I think that's what really makes Marvel fun for me. And obviously Disney, Disney. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what I would hope for as a fan. I think that's what you're going to get. And here's the thing. John Favreau has been involved in Marvel. And obviously Disney has seen the contrast in how the Marvel fandom has responded to the tremendous success of the MCU. And mm -hmm. I think what we're doing is we're doing a Star Wars cinematic universe now that is, is kind of framed in a similar way. They're just getting started a bit late on doing it like that. We've got all of these shows set during the period of The Mandalorian. If, if you paid attention to the show announcements, I'll fill you guys in right now. Um, obviously, The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett now, a newly announced show in the time frame of The Mandalorian. You've also got the Ahsoka show set in the period of The Mandalorian. And then you've also got uh, Rangers of the New Republic, also set in the period of The Mandalorian. And they've told us that these shows are all going to build towards uh, some, some climactic event. And so oh. what that event is going to be remains to be seen. I personally think it's probably going to connect to Mandalore. And so I think that this is probably the Bo-Katan's story is probably a story that's going to weave itself in and out of all of the, uh, all of the shows and probably culminate in maybe a, a super show that comes together, kind of like Defenders was for oh, uh, heck the, yeah. the Netflix shows. Um, I, I could see them easily doing something like that. Something also to note is uh, I, I find it very likely that the Ahsoka show will have a lot of Bo-Katan in it because Ahsoka and Bo-Katan have a ton of history together. And so I could I could see easily Bo-Katan and, and that story and Mandalore and everything coming in through all of it. But I, I think right now it's set up to primarily be told through the Mandalorian as kind of the base uh, home show because the main rub in the story right now is between Din Djarin and uh, Bo-Katan. I'm getting excited hearing you, t hearing you explain all that. I'm now I'm now uh, twice as excited, three times more. I, I'm very excited to see where this is going to to this big uh, climactic event that you talked about. I'm glad you're excited. I I really feel like this is I. No, I'm a super fan of Star Wars. Like I'm the kind of fan where when I watched Episode Three as a 17 year old kid, 
I cried in the theater uh, like hard during Order 66. <laughs> you know, I, I care deeply about this universe and I'm always excited about Star Wars. I, I've always, you know, I don't care what it is. Just give it to me, good or bad. I'm going to enjoy Star Wars. But this is the best time period to be a star wars fan there's never been a more exciting time in my opinion it's it's super good so yeah you should be excited take it up a couple more notches let's go <laughs> <laughs> and and so so would you say that for sure like clone wars i mean i know you've urged us to watch it is it required watching do you think for these to get the most out of these series or even i Sounds definitely like, yeah. feel like yeah I, I mean if you really want to get into the emotion of all of this especially getting ready for ahsoka show i think ahsoka show will make will be a lot more meaningful to you if you watch clone wars her character is so good so good she's and if you don't know she's anakin's padawan and the relationship they have with each other is so good and then rebels gets into this you know I, i'll soft spoiler here uh but it gets into this rub of ahsoka realizing that her master who she loves is Darth Vader. And, and there's even a, a fight there that, that, that takes place. And it's, it's so emotional and so powerful. And now you've got this outstanding plot line that I think they're probably going to get into that will be very meaningful of Ahsoka doesn't realize that Anakin got redeemed in the, in the last moment. How is she going to find that out? And so I, I would say it's, it's not required watching from the perspective of they're going to have everything make sense. Um, without watching those things. I think they definitely want it to be something anybody can watch. But if you really want to get into the emotion and understand these characters on a deep, complex level, please watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Okay. So so I guess the characters are pretty much the same characters. I mean, I know that they obviously have the same name, but they're not just, like they're really keeping it and building off the foundation that they laid in Clone Wars. Yeah, there, there's, there's going like. to be a lot more power there, I think. Like the Ahsoka okay. episode... Uh, for you guys, you watch that, you don't know Ahsoka yet, right? And right. it's probably a cool episode. You know, for me, I was like almost crying seeing this character visualized in live action and hearing her theme played and seeing her reference Anakin during the episode because there's so much there. And, and here's something else to think about. Like you, you get connected to Star Wars characters through a trilogy of films, right? And you care about them, their arc and where they resolve, etc. For Clone Wars, you've got seven seasons of character art. How much time is there there where you're getting to know these characters and, and you're you're becoming, you know, starting to love them and, and you spend so much time with them and it means so much. And especially Clone Wars season seven is basically Ahsoka's show. Like it's it's all about Ahsoka. There's so much there, so much there that, that makes it more meaningful. And so if you want to enhance your experience, you'll still enjoy. I'm, I'm sure you guys still enjoyed the Ahsoka episode. But it's so much more powerful if you've if you've gotten to know these characters through those shows. Yeah, honestly, watching that episode, I was like, oh, this is cool. I know this is a character that other people care about. So uh, I, I'm going to think it's cool as well. But uh, yeah, I, I can tell that if I was to watch, I, I would be even more connected. And expanded universes are so cool. In, in my like, I love the Marvel Universe. And one series that we're really into on the book side is, is Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere where he's got all of these different series that all kind of tie in. And for the casual fan, you can read the books and you're like, oh, this is a fun story. And then for the real nerds like us, we're like, oh my gosh, like this guy is this guy. And they all tie yeah. in together from this other series. And there, there's so much potential for just so much cool stuff when you get into this expanded 
uh, universe that brings in all these different things. And yeah, I love it. Okay. I'm excited. I'm, I'm committed to being a star Wars nerd now. I'm, I'm going to follow up with you guys. Next time you bring me on your show <laughs> and I'd love to come on again to talk more star Wars with you uh-huh. or Marvel. I, I love to talk Marvel too. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you guys have watched this and I'll, I'll tell you this hot take for you. Ahsoka Tano might be my favorite Star Wars character of any Star Wars character. Really? Well, mm. oh, Obi-Wan is very high on the list as well. Uh, but Ahsoka Tano, I'm, I'm going to say she is very much in contention for that title. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like in this episode, I didn't mind her character, but it wasn't like a particularly compelling storyline, you know, for, for me. Like within the episode, I was more kind of concerned about the village and like, oh, how are they going to liberate this little town? You know, that's kind of more where the emotional stakes lay for me, having not really known anything about her character besides it is that makes some, sense. someone that people care about. Yeah. Because she was, I, it seemed like at the beginning of the episode, she was almost like set up to be kind of a gray character with her just kind of mowing people down. Oh, she's not a Jedi. Yeah. So that's, that's she, yeah. She leaves the Jedi Order. And there's a lot mm. of history there. Oh my gosh, you guys got to see this. Okay, all right. <laughs> There's so much right. story there. See, the thing is, is like, I, that makes sense to me hearing that because you don't know about Ahsoka. But for me, it was like the ultimate fan service Ahsoka moment. I was just watching her mow down people and the way she did it. And the little, <laughs> like there's this moment where she, right after she cuts the bell and it rolls down and she's just mowed everyone down. There's one guy remaining and, and he looks at her, he's like, oh crap. And she just kind of tilts her head and smiles at him and lets him run away. It was such an Ahsoka moment. Like there's just so much there. Okay. Did you did you like the live action portrayal? Sounds like uh, yes. You yeah, like Ro- Rosario Dawson did an amazing job. Um, I I thought the live action, the way that she fought and the way that she talked, the way that she moved, everything about her screamed Ahsoka to me, and so I thought it was a very worthy portrayal. A lot of people wanted it to be Ashley Etstein, um, who is the voice actress, and I think she would have been amazing too. Uh, but what what I like about the pick for Rosario Dawson is she just looks more like Ahsoka and she feels more like Ahsoka, even though Ashley um, owns that character. Uh, I, I thought the passing of the torch worked well and they even had a little interaction on Twitter over it. And so th- there's it's good to see, mm. even though I'm sure Ashley, I, I would guarantee you Ashley's heart aches that she wasn't given the opportunity to play that character because she loves Ahsoka so much. Um, I thought the portrayal was perfect and I, I've got no complaint. So uh, we wanted to talk favorite characters from season two. Sounds like your pick is Ahsoka. Uh, Josh, who, who is your favorite character from season two? Um, I'm going to have to go with, oh, what's his name? Bill Burr's character. Yeah, Mayfield. Yeah, I, I loved him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that he added some needed levity to the, to the season because we got some pretty heavy episodes there, you know, with um, them kind of just mowing down a bunch of, uh, stormtroopers and then getting yeah. and then grogu getting kidnapped and it was getting a little bit dark which is fine you know i like dark shows but i i just enjoyed the timing of that episode him coming in cracking cracking wise getting a little bit of emotional depth as well when he was sitting down with his previous commander and seeing how yeah yeah he, he provided some levity and some really nice kind of deeper philosophical discussions like like you say with his previous commander there there was some realization there and then some good character growth and then also his conversation with the mandalorian when they were in that uh like armored truck right moving the gosh i'm gonna i mean moving the stuff what what, what, what was the stuff (laughs) some kind of chemical right that they were moving over anyway that was a good discussion there 
yeah, with how, what, what is morality, right? And his assumption was, as long as you can mm-hmm. sleep well at night, then, then you know you're a moral person, you know? And, and I think that gave, that gave the Mandalorian enough confidence to like take off his helmet to get his face scanned because he knew that he needed to be able to sleep well and, and having to decide between his more, um, I guess you would say fundamentalist like belief system about never showing your face versus doing good, you know, versus doing what he needed to do to get, mm-hmm. get the right thing done. I feel like Star Wars, and I mean, go ahead and correct me here, Andy, but I feel like Star Wars, at least from my perspective, has always been a good versus evil type of thing. And now with the moments like these, we're getting into more of like, what is good? What is evil? You know, is there kind of like a gray middle ground? And, and I think it's, I don't know, maybe like an expansion of, of, some of, the, uh, of, of some of the deeper meanings of Star Wars. This is my favorite part of recent Star Wars, is that it is delving into that nuance, which is something that I think OG Star Wars didn't do as quite as good of a job of, is very polarizing, light side, dark side. Um, now you're seeing kind of this more middle ground and you're also getting into like in the, in the most recent episode, you have this conversation between Cara Dune and this Imperial officer while Dr. Pershing is at, at blaster point. And uh, you know, where he's kind of tossing Alderaan in her face and she's like, mm-hmm. well, which death star were you on? You know, there's this, there's this kind of rub there. And then he references, you know, yeah, you killed millions of people and, you've got this like, oh, you know, wow, that's a pretty substantial loss of human life. And uh, obviously Last Jedi got into that where you've got that character who's like, oh yeah, was, you know, they're selling to the bad guys and the good guys, you know? it's So it's, I think it's really interesting um, that they're starting to get into those things. And also Josh, I, I love that you bring up this, uh, this conversation that we saw between uh, Bill Burr's character Mayfield and the Imperial officer in the in the last chapter of the Mandalorian, I think it was the penultimate episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. They even had a, another Battlefront two call out, by the way, to Operation Cinder, um, which was obviously uh, something that was uh, very devastating. They were like changing weather pal- patterns on these planets and just absolutely obliterating people. And you see, that, you know, that conversation between Mayfield and the Imperial officer. You see the humanity there, and I think he his character. In the original episode of um, that he was in, in The Mandalorian, he's, you know, messing with Mando about his helmet. He likes mm-hmm. to kind of push on these sensitive areas, right? He's even saying, oh, he's, got, he's a Gungan under there, is, is what I said, I think. And, and in this episode, even, he's kind of poking at that again. But then after that conversation, when he has that very human moment where he, you know, kind of confronts his enemy and then ultimately kills him, and they're going out, he tells the man, he gives the Mando his helmet back. And he says to him, I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. What respect that he's showing there? You know, this character that's been very, very, um, I, I guess, um, disrespectful in a lot of ways to that. Kind of being sarcastic with his uh, religious commitment to, to the helmet. Now saying that, I think it's a really interesting contrast. It's almost like he respects Mandal- the Mandalorian more for his commitment to it when he sees that he he knows, like when he puts it in context of like, well, I'm still going to care about people more than I care about this one tenant of my belief system, Yeah, but it's still important to him. You know what I mean? So it, it's almost like it makes it respect, makes him respect the Mandalorian more because he sees that he's still going to like have some perspective on, on life for it, which I think is some growth for the Mandalorian too. Cause I don't think he would have done that in the first episode of the first season, you know? And didn't that help bring so much weight 
to the moment in chapter 16 when Din takes his helmet off for Grogu. Yeah. Yeah, that was and that was another super emotional moment. That was that was great stuff right there. And can I can I do a little music nerding with you guys? Oh yeah. I I've I've analyzed the music for this episode so much cuz I just I think Ludwig Göransson just deserves all the Emmys for it. But um that moment was so powerful in so many ways and I think something that enhanced it if you listen to that music, it feels very, very distinctly 80s sci-fi, which I think is really interesting because it's not a direct callback to old Star Wars music, but it's a callback to that era of time that those movies came out. And that's I think it's interesting that that's the style that he goes with when Din Djarin is taking his helmet off for that super emotional moment between father and son because it also felt like it was kind of a love letter to when Darth Vader takes his helmet off and wants to look upon Luke with his own eyes. And let's enhance it mm. even further. Luke mm. is standing right there when this is happening, observing. I didn't even think of that. You may. That's really good. Yeah. This, yeah. this is why we have you on, Andy. This, this is why we have Andy. This yes. is good stuff, yes. man. I care a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you guys my favorite character? Yeah. yeah. Let's Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon was my favorite character. I just thought the performance was, was outstanding. It's Giancarlo Espensito. Is yeah. that how you say his name? I mean, it's, so, something it's like that. It's Gus from Breaking Bad, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was so convinced that this dude was totally evil, but also brilliant. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, he did get outsmarted, but uh, or at least outplayed. Well, but he didn't think Luke would be there. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is a wild card. And again, th- this is another example. I think we're seeing a lot of this Deus Ex Machina things done really well mm. in in media right now is Luke did kind of provide that, right? Like they were in an yeah. un- unwinnable yeah. situation and kind of a godlike figure comes down and destroys Well, you always knew they were going to win somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I feel like the stakes are high enough with Mandalorian because they really do don't, they, they don't shy away from bad things happening to these characters. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, I could have seen Moff getting away with, with baby, or with uh, Grogu yeah. and like, well, he does for a few episodes, and then they destroy they destroy his ship. I mean, yep. that that was devastating to me. It's like, man, yeah. this ship is this ship is taking me through everything, and now it's gone. And that was that sucked. And we don't have <laughs> a ship for Mando right now. Going into season three, he is he's shipless. Yeah, uh, unless he just commandeers the that first order ship or that uh, that not first order the uh, the light cruiser. The, the light. He's going to take the whole light cruiser. <laughs> Just like, hey, I'm okay with that. Yeah, he could rock it. Well, actually, he no, he won't because he promised it to Bo Katan if she helps him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I just remember that. It was cool to see him cruise around in Slave One. That's a very cool ship. I love that one. But Boba went away. He's he's off on Tatooine now, uh, rocking Jabba's palace. So who knows? All right, we only have a few minutes left Uh, to close out. I just want to hear everyone's favorite episode or moment, or you know, what was like the one thing from the season that you're going to remember the most. I mean. I know there's not just one thing, but uh, what was something? Maybe something that we haven't talked about yet to try to cover more of the more of the show, more of the season. Ooh, well, my favorite. If you're going to ask my favorite moment uh, that I'm going to remember the most is something we've talked about already. It's it's when Din takes his helmet off. I just I felt like that with with Grogu there. That that moment was just so powerful on so many levels. They earned the power of it. Uh, through a setup of two seasons and the way that uh, Pedro Pascal acted in that moment was was so powerful. And that That's the moment that I'm thinking of over and over and over again and just visualizing. 
Uh, but if I were to pick another moment that I really liked out of the episodes is probably the, the, the whole trans, how everything transpired on Tython with, uh, with Grogu in particular, uh, meditating on, on the seer stone. Um, and Tython, if you guys don't know, has so much history in, in the Star Wars universe. It's actually mm. the birthplace of force users. It's where they first commandeered the force and, and learned how to wield it. Um, and there's, there's just so much depth in history. Now, a lot of that history isn't canon. So, but the, the planet, mm. um, in expanded universe, that's, and so is that temple, that temple is like the place, the original, it's the place. original, it's the OG temple. And so for mm. him to be meditated on top of that scene or on top of that temple, um, while all that was going on was just a really, really cool moment to me that I just wanted to absorb and, and suck in and then ended in tragedy, which was, was very depressing. <laughs> hey, do you know where that was filmed? It looked like it was Southern Utah or desert of Arizona somewhere kind of where we are. So if I understand, I don't know if season two was the same way, but I think they filmed everything, literally everything in a studio. Wow. Mm. Even wow. those landscape moments. It, it felt like looking at it, it looks like it's outside, but I've I've been told that it's it's all in a studio. I don't know if se season two might have been different, but I, I know season one was 100% studio. So this is something that uh, that our guy Brandon Sanderson has talked about a little bit because he wants to make his his big series, Stormlight Archive, into a TV show one day. Uh, it would fit really well as a nice like eight episode season type of thing but this this uh series is it takes place in this totally alien landscape and it would have to be totally cgi but he referenced the mandalorian as something that's really kind of a game changer right now with the way that they're doing cgi it's more affordable and they're able to make it look so real i mean obviously i was i thought it took place um in a real set somewhere yeah. outdoors um so i'm excited that we're we're having shows that are doing this and breaking ground yeah. for uh, some of our favorite fantasy series to potentially get onto screen one day. Yeah, they did a lot. And I mean, you, you really see it kind of come to fruition, I think, in the last episode where you see, I mean, how many different shots of that light cruiser? You, you see mm -hmm. so much of it. I mean, you're used to seeing a ship like, I'll, I'll use an example of chapter six of The Mandalorian, which is where they're uh, rescuing uh, that Twilight character, and they're you know going through that ship, and it's kind of like galaxy. Or it's kind of like a, a Star Wars Among Us on the ship, and um, <laughs> you see like the same hallway five times. You know, it's the yeah. it's you know th that's all they got. Contrast that with this light cruiser moment where you're seeing maybe seven or eight different rooms in that light cruiser, and so they're they're really building upon that, and I think they're doing a lot better with yeah. it. Yeah, nice. Okay, Josh, what's yours? We we got to go quick because I know Andy's late for his stream. Yeah, th this is this is a smaller moment, but when when Mando holds out when they're in the ship cruising and he holds out the little bead and Grogu pulls it toward him and you get that little outburst of emotion from mm. from Mando and then Grogu kind of like freaks out a little bit or not freaks out, but and then Mando like calms him down and it's like no no it's okay I'm not upset you did really well just like as a father of kind of a kid that does get up to a lot of hijinks and then really feels things if like I ever lose my patience with him or anything. Also a kid that loves Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Also a kid that loves Mandalorian. <laughs> Good dad. But, Good dad. But he, um, I just really felt like a human connection, which I'm always looking for with Mando because it is hard with the mask on, you know, you can't see the emotion in the face, 
it just was another really great connection moment where I was like, I relate on another level to like what this character is going through. So I, I want to talk about this because I think a lot of people I saw were worried about where season three is going because Grogu and Mandor separated, etc. The big reason why I'm not worried about that is because I believe at the core, the Mandalorian is a story of father and son. It's a different father and son. It's an adoptive father and son, but that is the relationship that drives this show. And I thought it, it, I actually thought of something just now that I thought was really interesting because I relate to this so much on a father level too. I don't know if you have kids, Stephen, uh, but I, I I do not know. No. Oh, okay, so you don't you don't, but Josh and I definitely do. But um, I thought it was interesting that you just said you know you don't see the emotion behind the mask. That, that kind of takes it to another level for me, doesn't it? Because it's sometimes mm-hmm. I think dads put on a mask, don't they? I just thought about that's that. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, you want to hide the fear. You want to hide the, I mean, the, the fear of providing, the fear of the unknown, et cetera. And you want to kind of put on a mask and just put on a happy face for everyone. And so I, I think that's an interesting, uh, I guess, depth to this father-son relationship that you just kind of made me think about. Nice. Mm. Some deep stuff. Star Wars Star Wars is really getting into it these days. Star, well, here's the, this is what Star Wars has always been for me. Star Wars uh, there's there's lightsabers, there's space wizards and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Star Wars is a story about family. That's mm-hmm. what it all comes back to every time. Yeah, and establishing this family is really cool, the way that they're doing it, of kind of like a found family. You know, yeah. you're, you're figuring it out as you go along, but you still have these meaningful relationships. And ado- an adopted son is no less a son. Yeah. So to kind of take it back to the uh, surface level blowing up stuff, uh, I think one one thing that I really liked, one episode <laughs> that I really liked, uh, I, th- I think episode four maybe is a little underappreciated. The one where they go in uh, to the lab and they they think they're just going to blow up this uh, with this outpost, and it turns out that they you know they discovered that the science the, the nefarious stuff is going on. Then they escape down through the the chasms there and there. Uh, what is that thing? Some kind of uh, uh, armored speeder. speeder. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just thought that episode was very exciting. And uh, I, I love the little team that they sent through there. Fun to have Carl Weathers back for that episode as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that that was mine. Up until the last episode, I think that was my favorite. I, I love also a specific moment in there um, where you see Dr. Pershing's uh, hollow projector um, in that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. little Little nerdy appreciation for Omid Abtahi who plays that character. Um, he tweeted out that he, it was his, always his fan, his uh, child dream to be a star Wars projected image. Uh, and, and here he was cool. as a projected image in an episode. So it was kind of a, kind of a cool little moment that I, I appreciate more after seeing how nerdy uh, the, the actor was about it. Nice. Okay. Andy, thank you so much for coming on to this episode. This was, this was a blast. I learned a lot and I got way more excited about something that is going to entertain me for years to come. So this was a total win-win for me, at least. So thank you so much for your time here. Oh, I, yeah, I loved you. it. This I, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've got a lot to say about Star Wars. And so <laughs> feel free to have any time you guys want to talk Star Wars, you, just, you guys just hit me right up. I'll come on and chat with you. Nice. Hey, that'll be fun. What is, I mean, I could easily look this up, but since you're here, what is the next uh, Star Wars release that we're looking forward to? I believe it's Book of Book of Boba Fett. We actually had John Favreau. This was a very big question after the season uh, two finale last week. Uh, but John Favreau was on Good Morning America, 
uh, today as we're recording this. And he confirmed that Book of Boba Fett is the next thing to come out. They're in pre-production for that. And then after that will be Mandalorian season three. And so a little disappointing for people who are anxious to see what happens to Grogu, but for fans of Boba Fett, that's what's next. And it's going to be mm. um, holiday period 2021. So we got a bit of a gap here, which kind of sucks. But once one after that, then I think we're going to be on a roll where we don't have much time in between all these shows because we have literally 11 projects to look forward to right now. Wow. So those are going to come out kind of season three Mandalorian and uh, Boba Fett are going to come out same time, right? The, because no, 2021 pretty is... close together. So if you, Kathleen Kennedy said that the next chapter in the Mandalorian saga is coming out Christmas 2021. She actually didn't say Mandalorian season three. And so we all mm. assumed that Mandalorian season three was coming out Christmas 2021, but it actually seems like it'll be slightly after that, uh, probably into 2022. Okay. Okay. So the next chapter then will be Book of Boba Book, Fett is what Book we're specula Fett. speculation. Okay. No, that's, that's nice. confirmed. That's confirmed. Yeah. That, that was the post-credit scene of the season was confirming that it was going to be yeah, and now, uh, and now, as of today, they actually officially confirmed that that's a separate show. It is not season three of The Mandalorian. Okay. That's a different project. And that is going to be, they're producing both of them around the same time. And so we'll likely see season three of The Mandalorian shortly after The Book of Boba Fett. Um, I would kind of anticipate it would even be within weeks of The Book of Boba Fett because it seems like they're working on both pretty much simultaneously. But uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to be. So stay tuned for when the official okay. release date for Mandalorian season three is. But we do know The Book of Boba Fett comes out first and that will be Christmas, uh, December 2023. So it sounds like I am learning 2021. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it looks like I am going to have to keep a Disney Plus subscription. I can't just get it for when Mandalorian is coming out. I'm going to act, I'm going to have to like actively keep it going because all these things. Well, are that's going to be the idea. Out. That's the business model. You can't drop that subscription, right? Plus, with the got... Marvel shows coming out early next year, yeah, I'm hooked. Yeah, we. You've got Marvel shows. Uh, January is WandaVision. March, I believe, is the Winter Soldier series. And then I think a couple months later is the Loki series. And all three of those look dope. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to let go of it, man. Give, give Disney your money. Come on. Hey, that's that's worth the eight bucks a month or whatever it is. 100%, man. Best eight bucks I've ever spent. I'll <laughs> yeah. Take my money. If you give me content like this, make it 20 bucks. Don't tell exactly. them that, but I would do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Andy. And uh, if you want to see more Phantology, you can find us at www.phantologybooks.com on all your podcast providers and you can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books all right we'll see everyone next time thanks for having me all right thanks andy <laughs>